This is Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just sway your mind. Here, we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than just one shot. I'm Justice, alongside me is my co-pilot Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be Hill. is a 2021 original show by Stars, a premium network television channel, which when I say premium network television channel, nobody knows what I mean anymore because nobody watches TV. But it's one of those things you have to subscribe to separately, not like Amazon Prime or Netflix. It's like HBO Max. Yeah. But with lesser quality stuff in general. Yeah, generally. But also, Hills, as of right now, only has three episodes up and as of the recording of this podcast. It will have three episodes up. When this episode comes out, episode four doesn't come out for four more days after this episode goes live. Something like that, yeah. And this show airs Sunday nights at midnight Eastern Standard Time. So Monday mornings at Eastern at midnight Eastern Standard Time. Yep. On Stars, which means for all of us who actually care, that's when you can first watch it. It does air live at that time as well in that time slot. If you have a TV and gross, don't have TiVo or don't have on-demand viewing. Which, if that's your case, I'm sorry, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, have you not heard? Streaming is the future. But more importantly... The future is the future. This show is the Stephen Amell wrestling show. Now, if you've been around for, I'd say, more than three episodes, by this point, probably know that Josh is a massive wrestling fan. He's not been super caught up at the moment, but he just loves wrestling in general. I am a mark. Actually, I don't, like, I, I say I'm a mark, but, like, that's a really, like... No, you're Josh. Don't confuse people. Your name is Josh. Okay, so I'll explain Mark then for you real fast. Mark is the term used for in the wrestling business to describe a wrestling fan who buys into the story. It used to be described wrestling fans who believed the story. But no one believes the story it, anymore unless you're like under the age of five. But in 2021, yeah, unless you're under the age of five, nobody believes the story. Nobody believes it's real, as I should say. Believing the story is a different thing. Like, you could enjoy and believe in a story even though you know it's fake. Can you believe in it? Yeah, because I don't think believing in a story means you have to think it's real. Like, you can believe in the themes and the message of it, but I don't think you can believe in it. Like, I can't say I believe in Santa Claus and be like, I mean, you're right, okay? Like, Sure, you don't believe in Santa Claus, but, like, you still, like, buy into the story, like, when you're watching a movie about Santa Claus or some shit, right? Like, I so, yes, I can be invested in the story, but I don't believe in the story. Yeah, like, that. Like, that's that's more what I meant. Like, okay, okay. You, you, but you still buy in. Just a matter of phrasing. Yeah, Got like, you. Mark's now, the term Mark nowadays doesn't apply to, like, fans who believe wrestling's real. It it's more fans pl- who buy into the story and are enthralled or slash enjoy the, the story of the show. Yes. Yeah, and in that case... Yeah, I would say I'm a mark. Yeah. I'm, I was super excited about the Gargano Champa angle four years ago when that was relevant, or when AEW decided that they were going to be a, a thing that existed and like. You're still excited that AEW exists? Yes. Or like how Chris Jericho like was, was like, it was going to be impossible for him to show up at that AEW event because like he was still under contract with WWE. and Also, like, he was touring with Fozzie, his band at the time too. Yeah, like, but he did. Like, mm-hmm. I buy into that shit. Like, it's awesome. Okay, so it's awesome because wrestling is superhero comics. Superhero movies, superhero TV shows. If you like superheroes, you should like wrestling. Yeah, no, it's just action scenes interspersed with a bit of story and men in cool costumes. 
And yes. women in cool costumes, depending on what you're watching. Yep. So that actually brings me to the opening of Hills, which literally opens by telling us what a, what a hero is called in wrestling and what a villain is called in wrestling. Your hero, or the good guy, is called the face. Mm-hmm. And your bad guy, or villain, is called a hill. Sometimes you'll hear heroes referred to as baby faces. Which just means they're a really likable face. Well, actually, just before they were fa- before the term face came to be, they were baby faces because, because they were soft and innocent, squishy. Yeah, like they were people that people wanted to cheer for. Like mm-hmm. then it just got shortened to face. Yeah. So faces are good guys, hills are bad guys. And the opening of this show starts with Stephen Amell's character typing a script up, and it's interspersed with with scenes of a match because what he's typing up are the spots for the match, and spots are basically these points you're going to know during the match, like. Hey, we are definitely going to do this move here. We're going to do this move. We don't know exactly how we're going to get from A to B. We'll just improv from there. But we are definitely hitting this, this, and this. We want to make sure these things happen. In this order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scripting for wrestling is a lot less second to second, minute to minute. And a lot more like we start with a a elbow and collar tie up. We move to... It's a lot more like, hey, you're going to go for 15 minutes. I want to see these five things happen in this order. Go do it. This is but, the but end. But fill the space in between. Yeah. This is how it ends. Get us there. And that's what Stephen Mills' character is writing. And he's actually writing his own match because mm-hmm. it's him versus a guy named Big Jim. Because Stephen Mill plays the big hill of this wrestling. Well, he's not just writing his. Because the first thing we see is Rooster hit a coast to coast. And the oh, first yeah. thing we see is coast to coast. He's literally writing out what's happening and what he writes out. Then we see on the screen... Or it's the other way we see the screen, and then he types it, and it does that back and forth. Yeah. It's a really good introduction to it, and everything's in slow-mo, really, at the moment. And it's, and it's all set to music. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is our introduction to a lot of the characters, just their wrestling gimmicks. And we get introduced to Mill's character, who is called Jack Spade. Mm-hmm. And, and we, his wife and kid, who yeah, are... because when time hits back in at full speed, we see a woman walking up to the ringside with a drink, hands it to a kid, and she starts cheering for Jack. Which is odd, given the fact that everyone else is booing him, because Jack is our heel. And she's cheering for him and calls him pet names and such. Easy to assume she is his wife, fiance, girlfriend, something. Mm-hmm. And Jack ends up winning this match. It was mm-hmm. a title match for Jack's championship. But like, despite the fact that he wins, the crowd is still cheering for Jim up until yeah. the point where Jack actually wins. And when Jack hits his finisher. And when Jack gets the mic, he starts immediately like degrading them, insulting them, say he doesn't care if they're cheering for him or not. They're all a bunch of backwards idiots, basically. Yep, he starts and, cutting a promo. Mm-hmm. And when the ref goes to lift his arm up with the belt, he throws the ref out of the ring, hits the camera guy with it, which the camera guy is just like a teen in like a hoodie with a small GoPro. Mm-hmm. They are obviously a small wrestling company because it is also all in like a warehouse it looks like but as jack's cutting this promo suddenly heroic music hits like this upbeat rock music and before we even see the guy come in the moment the music hits the crowd crowd erupts erupts into cheers which is how you want to hit with a face right yeah and then in a style similar to ultimate warrior running down the ramp Arms pumping and flying. Here comes Ace Spade, the number one baby face in the company. And Jack's brother. And he comes in and he hits Jack a few times and knocks him over the top rope. And he's like, he starts cutting his own promo where he's like, Where you going, big brother? You just took out my best friend. I'm not going to let this stuff stand. Come back in here. You and me can go for that belt right now. And Jack is like, well, if you want this belt, I'll see you here next week. Which the crowd is like, when he's like, you want this belt, the crowd erupts the cheers because they want to see Spade versus Spade, brother versus brother yeah. championship match. And he's like, well, I'll see you back here next week. Crowd starts booing him because yeah. it's it's kind of like the Cowardly Hill thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for some reason, 
we would never expect a baby face to go two rounds in a row like we'd be like oh that's unfair how how can they stack the deck against him like this but when a hill championship when a hill champion like denies going a second round everybody's like "Ooh, boo you're such a coward, coward yeah and so it's just like anytime any place and jack has the wonderful response of i just said next week idiot i just told you the time and place idiot yeah uh, it's so good guys it's so good. So Jack turns around. He's done. He's getting ready. And as he's walking out, Ace says, Jack, fuck you. And the crowd pops. Yeah. Um, Massive explosion. For Jeez. for wrestling terminology, the term crowd pops means they all abrupt in like massive top tier excitement cheering because mm-hmm. a pop is just that. It's when the crowd goes wild. Yeah. So Jack walks into the back. He's greeted happily by all the other wrestlers back there. And he talks and he goes to talk to what looks like the stage manager. And her name is Willie. She tells Jack she needs Ace to stop breaking the mics. Mm-hmm. And Jack's well, just like, I know. And the fucking fog machine broke. And like within like 30 seconds of coming into the back room, he's immediately inundated with like Ace is breaking mics. The fog machines are broken. Hey, my camera broke when you threw the ref the, on the me. The shell of the camera broke. Yeah. Yeah. And also Jack's upset because Ace just cussed. And there are kids that they have come to the show and everything. They're trying to keep at least their face more innocent and pure and likable to the crowd. Yeah, and, like, I think it's more than, like, just the face. I think, like, they just have a blanket, no cussing rule. Yes, and so Ace comes back, again, is greeted happily by the others, and then Jack is just like, hey, what was that? You don't cuss. And then ja- and Ace is like, yeah, but you hear them out there cheering my name, chanting my name? And Jack's like, I don't care. You stick to the script that I wrote. And Ace blows him off and, like, walks off. Yeah. We then get the title sequence, which is, um, how, what do you think of the title, the OP? The song is very mellow and laid back for the high energy actual show bit we just see, mm-hmm. but I don't mind it. So I think after episode two, it kind of makes sense more with the show. Yeah, but episode one, it feels just a bit off, especially because the pacing. We have these matches with high intense octane energy, and then it's just, what is fair in love? Is- so in the mid outs, there was this TV show on Lifetime. I don't know if you're aware of mm-hmm. it, called Army Wives. No. This OP sounds like army wives op like it gives that same vibe not just in the feel but like in the cut of it like i've got no idea man i've never watched that show intentionally but i've caught the op i've caught like the first couple minutes of it and um yeah this op is very army wives okay so after our intro we see some overhead shot of some fields and then we come down to jack and jack's just jog along the side of a road yep and we see an old billboard for tom the king spade versus wild bill match Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of faded out, but it's there. Yeah. Um, obviously, Tom King. Also above that is Duffy Wrestling League, which is the apparent. DWL. Yeah, what they're wrestling on. And we also see then just some like random wrestling memorabilia for the area. We see a picture of Thomas King Spade. We see another picture of Wild Bill. We see a picture of Jack. And we see a, just a signed picture of Ace on a wall. And then we cut to the inside of a kid's bedroom. Yeah, well, I mean, the Ace signed poster is in the kid's bedroom. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Because... Tom, Jack's son, Thomas, they always call him Thomas, is Ace's biggest fan. Yes. And we cut to that bedroom because Stacy, Jack's, Jack's wife, wife, is waking Thomas up because it's Sunday, it's time for church, they need to get ready, so on and so forth. Yeah. And at the same time this is happening, we cut to Willie, the show manager from the previous night, who's still at the arena. I don't know if, like... I think she's... Well, she appears to be walking into it. Yeah, maybe. And yeah. then she sees a leak in the ceiling and just like, what the fuck? And then Jack gets home from his jog. Mm-hmm. He walks in, gets a drink of water from the kitchen, and then sits down at his computer to type out some more show stuff. Because currently he's writing the script for the Jack versus Ace match, the yeah. big he, headliner. He has nothing right now. 
Yeah, saying he's writing it is kind of like overselling it because it literally just says Jack versus Ace and then it's a blank page. Yeah. We've all been there though. We we have like the title for the essay. We have our name and stuff. We know what we have to do and we're just staring at that blank screen and like, okay, I'm definitely working on this right now. That's what's happening. Yep. And when somebody asks us how long how long it took us to write the paper, we're a hundred percent counting that hour we just stared at the computer. <laughs> Only an hour? <laughs> But so his wife Stacy walks in and she's like, Are we going together separately to church? I gotta warm up with the band. And Jack's just like, Well, I gotta take a shower. I've been working on the script. And she's like and it and it's still not done. She's like, That's what you said last week. He's like, Well, I fell asleep last week. It was it wasn't intentional, I just fell asleep. And she's like, Well, think about it, this is family time. We should really go, and, you know, we kinda need it. Like Thomas heard us fighting last night and Jack's just like, That wasn't fighting, that was a loving argument. Honestly, the dialogue in this show is mostly beyond reproach it's very good writing yeah and she he's like and if thomas is ever gonna grow up and get married he's gonna have to learn about things like, like love and arguments like love and arguments and church guilt because he says she's trying to guilt him in church and she's like well you know that argu- that loving argument wouldn't have happened if you had uh you know told me about buying fog machines instead of just buying them for fog machines and he's just like, well, we needed that. You know, I'm trying to get the thing back up and running and get an It's an investment. Spot. It's an investment. She's like, well, if I knew what our investment plan was. I could have searched online, maybe found us four of them, just the same quality or better, and had them sitting here at a much lower price. See this envelope here? It's filled with coupons because I'm pinching pennies so we can make this work and still have things to do as a family. And she holding the coupons, says to Jack, you know, if we saved a little bit of money, maybe we could go to the movies once a month. Get Thomas a new baseball bat. But do, you know, do things that we need to do. And also in this, she basically is like, and if we really need to, I don't have a job. I can get one. And Jack Jack says, nope, mom never had to work. You will never have to work. Well, he doesn't straight say no. He just says, I don't want you have to work. Yeah, that's a fair point. And she just kind of accepts that at face value. Like he says, I don't have to work. But in the episode two it really comes up with their money issues and she's complaining about it and she's like he hasn't said you're not allowed to work or been like foot down like don't work he's just been like i don't want you to have to but you know as an adult we all realize we have to do a bunch of shit we don't want people to have to or we don't want to have to yeah mostly this scene set gives us like a good look into jack stacy and thomas's life like even though the scene is i don't know four minutes long yeah something like that it does a really good job of like detailing their home life yeah, because at the end of the little talk here, he's like, also, I still haven't finished the script yet. Who do you think should win? And her response isn't whether it should be Jack or Rick. She says they should win, as in, like, what we need here is something that is good for the business. She specifically says us. We yeah. should win. As in, you know, as long as things turn out good and we're making money, that is us winning. So we cut to church and we're outside the church. We meet Mrs. Spade, Jack's mom. Mm-hmm. And she's like, where's your brother? He said he stayed over at your house last night. <laughs> and Jack's like, uh, this is well, a great. At first, like, she, when she asked, she's like, "Where's Ace?" And he's like, "I don't know." She's like, "He said he stood over at your place last night." He's like, "Oh yeah." And then he turns to his wife, Stacy, and she's like, "Which room did Ace stay in last night?" Which and, is a joke because they don't have a very big house, so it's not like there were a lot of rooms to choose from. And Stacy's like, oh, "I gotta go warm up with the band now. Bye. Not my yeah. not my problem." So they'll kind of just head into church after mm-hmm. that, and uh, we see where Ace is. Ace is. With Big Jim and Big Jim's wife. Around the, towards the back of the church. And uh, Jim and his wife are sitting in a truck. And Ace is taking a piss on a tree. And Big Jim's wife. Big Jim being the, the guy that Jack beat last night. Mm-hmm. The big baby face. The freak from the creek. Because, you know, gotta have those names. Also the perfect casting for a Clark Kent. 
I have that note later in my notes. This he's my dreamcast for Superman going forward. Mm-hmm. Like if if you get one thing out of this show, just go find clips of Big Jim from Hills and tell me that he is not a perfect Clark Kent. He works with Clark Kent, and he also has the ability to work as Superman. Guy is great. I, I love him so much for that. Anyways. Actually, we have two people in the show that could work good as Clark Kent. You talking about Bobby Penn? Bobby could also work well. <clears throat> you cannot tell me there are not a lot of Superman versions in the comic where Superman is just a himbo, because there's a fuck ton of himbo Superman runs. You're Especially not... early Superman. Early Superman was just a himbo. You're not wrong. So, before we get into the church, Big Jim and his wife are sitting in the truck, and Big Jim's wife is like, why is he peeing on the tree? They've got bathrooms inside. Well, she asks why he's peeing on this side of the tree, where they can see him. He's just like, he always loves an audience. Yep. So... And they get out of the truck and they ask Ace, why are you peeing out here? There's a bathroom inside. And Ace tells them, the bathroom inside is right next to the pole pit. I flushed that. You could hear it. I'm just out here respecting the Lord. And then Jim's like, you're pissing on the Lord's tree. And Ace replies, well, if he didn't want me pissing on a tree, he wouldn't have me have to piss. Yep. So service has already started when Big Jim, his wife, and Ace will walk mm-hmm. in. Thomas sees Ace comes in, smiles, kind of like flexes his arm at him. And Ace is just like, smiles, finger gun. And Jack... Kind takes of, his son, turns his head back towards front. Yep. Where Stacy is currently playing with the with the church band. Mm-hmm. Well, not playing. She's singing. Yeah. And the, playing guitar. And playing guitar, yeah. And then we cut from there to outside where the church appears to be having like a little potluck together. And Jack is noticeably missing. Yeah. In fact, uh, Jim's wife asks where, asks where Jack is. Because Stacy's just like... Because this scene is... Exposition. Exposition. Uh, not really a huge amount of exposition. It's really more explaining terminology. In the most expositious way we can. Yeah. So Jim's wife asks where he is, and Stacy's just like, well, he doesn't like to appear too social, especially on match days. So he's sitting in the car, and uh, Ace chimes in, and like, he especially doesn't want to be seen being nice with me. So then Jim's wife is like, oh, is that that kayfabe thing? And um, she's like, I just, I don't understand it. Don't people know wrestling's fake? And Stacy's like, hey, don't you dare call it fake. No, nope. Mrs. Spade, their mm-hmm. mother, says that. And then she turns to Jim and asks Jim, how is it that you got her pregnant? And haven't explained this to her yet. And Big Jim has the greatest answer. He's like, well, we were doing other things, like practicing getting pregnant. And she just gives him a look, and Ace grabs his nephew's head by the ears and, like, boxes it in. He's like, he's talking about intercourse, mama. It's very... And she's just like, Ace! Something about this scene, like, the acting just feels stilted a bit. I like the dialogue. I think it's I think it's I think humorous. The person that feels stilted here is Jim's wife. I think everyone else is fine. Yeah, maybe she just ruins the scene. Maybe she's not a good actress. I think it's still a fine scene, though. It's probably the weakest scene in the show, but I think it's still a fine scene. I've seen this episode three times now, and I'm pretty sure the acting in this scene is subpar in comparison to the rest of the show. And in comparison to a lot of shows in general, like, this scene feels badly acted. I really don't feel that way. I like. I don't think Big Jim's doing anything wrong here. I don't really get the vibes that Stacy's handling the scene wrong. Ace feels a little stilted. Big Jim's wife feels a little stilted, and Mrs. Spade feels a little stilted. And I don't know why they all just feel off. Mm. But anyways, like right after that, Jack pulls up with the jeep, and Stacy and Thomas get in, and they go away. They also, because we didn't explain it like the show did, kayfabe is the story like of the rest of wrestling, the characters, the real of the wrestling, like. Like the things that are happening in the wrestling ring and when they're yelling at each other and fighting each other and getting drama. All of that is real according to kayfabe. For instance. So to keep the kayfabe up out of a match is to continue in-ring disputes and kind of be an asshole if you're a heel or be really energetic and nice if you're the babyface. For it's instance, playing your character always. For instance, well, no, that's not that's that's an aspect of. I'm for, talking about the kayfabe that like Jack. For instance, to. though, Undertaker and Kane, two really big names. I'm sure most of you know who they are, even if you don't know wrestling, are brothers. 
in the story of WWE's wrestling. They're both the sons of... Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer, yeah. They're half-brothers. But in real life, they're nowhere related at all. I mean, also in the kayfabe, Kane's dead. Yeah. My little brother died. And then it's just like, he's not dead. He's right here. Well, no, he's not dead because uh, he he wears a mask because he's badly burned. And oh, yeah, yeah. Undertaker he thought the fire he was dead. Because like, their house caught on fire when they were young or some And Undertaker got blamed for the fire, but really Kane did it. Yeah, yeah. It's why Kane had a huge fire motif. There's why e- the Inferno even a, match started because of it. There's even a novel about this, guys. There is a novel about the kayfabe of Kane's backstory. Hey, do you I guys love want wrestling us make, so much. Do you guys want us to make bonus content? Like, start a Patreon on the bonus content and just be to read that one book and only ever talk about that book? No, no. Can we just read all the WWE novels? There's like I don't want to. half a dozen, but I could I could see it. There's one where Trish Stratus is a secret agent. You want to want if if you guys want that, let us know in a review, an email, or whatever, uh, and we might start a Patreon and I guess make that a bonus thing we do. Justice. There's one where Trish Stratus is a I secret agent. I heard you. Agent. I'm gonna ignore you. We should go back to the show though. <laughs> no, no, no. And WWE shows are are done where they're done, specifically so Trish has an alibi to be in that city so she could do secret agent stuff. Justice. So that's we see, not even kayfabe. Like that's not part of her character so at we all. We see Crystal pull up in her Jeep outside the dome, and then we cut to inside the dome, which is what they call the like warehouse where DWL is happening. They call it the dome. Justice. And in the dome, wrestlers are practicing in the ring, and we see our new guy Bobby Pin walk up. That's he's new to the scene. He's, he's new to wrestling, and so they're explaining what's going on to him. And yeah. you know, I like he, how you're just stonewalling. He, me he right asks now. if they sell out anymore. And uh, the guys are just like, well, we don't sell anymore. But you're things completely have to, ignoring me. <laughs> things have started to pick back up since Jack Bryan. Ace. I'm going to bed if you don't start. <laughs> I heard you. I heard you. And it was bad. So I ignored you and continued on. <laughs> We're now at the part where Rooster explains to Bobby. Yeah, just, do you understand, though? I do. And it's so that, dumb. That wasn't even part of her kayfabe. That wasn't even part of the story for Tristratus. I understand. And it was so dumb. I just I didn't want to hear it. So I ignored it. <laughs> Okay, so we're at, we're at the DWL Dome. And Rooster is now complaining that... He's not got a title general. shot. Yeah, because Rooster is explaining that he's been doing this since he's 18. He's done a lot of work. He's, he's torn every muscle shit. in his body. Might as well have been at this point, he says. Whereas Ace doesn't have, like... Ace has had no problems. Nothing's wrong with Ace. And Rooster's just upset because he's put in a lot of work. And, you know, he's the only one that can do this. And he illustrates in his this is he's a high flyer. Well, he's his, the one high flyer. His this have. is he g- jumps from the middle. ring. He climbs it. I mean, I think he jumps to the middle rope yeah, and does a moonsault he, off of he it. He jumps from the ring to the middle rope and then moonsaults. It's fluid. It looks pretty, but I'm sure other people can do it. On a scale from one to ten, that's probably not like... He does get some good distance, though. He gets like three-fourths to the other side. Like it's it's probably not like the best more than a six or a seven out of ten in difficulty to do that. But mind you, he is correct. A lot of the people we see in DWL wrestling are big guys. Like Vince McMahon would probably want these guys. Well, maybe not. I don't think enough of them have oil all over them. He'd want APOC, APOC, and Big Jim. Yeah, he'd want Apocalypse and Big Jim. Mm-hmm. But it's really weird with the WWE proxy stand in the show once Ace. Ace isn't built. Ace feels more an HBK type. Yeah, super kicks are just really common in like. Yeah, yeah, but it appears to be his signature. Yeah, no, super kicks are really common as signatures and finishers in like. I don't want to call. I don't want to say minor league wrestling. He but also like, has the longish blonde hair, talks in a southern accent, and promotes himself as a face, but is really more of a hill personality, which is how HBK started. My my point here is like is the super kick is just a super common finisher. Because I know it's super easy to do and it looks fucking sick. Yeah, so he's really, Rooster's really just complaining about Ace. 
And then he decides, you know what? We should have this new guy do an elbow well, drop no, from the top corner. He doesn't just decide it. When he hits that moonsault on he, Bobby Yeah, Penn, he's practicing on Bobby. Bobby just starts laughing. He's just like having fun. And, and Rooster's just like, what do you think you're doing? And Bobby's like, it didn't hurt. Yeah, it didn't hurt. And Rooster says, you got to sell it, though, for the audience. Selling, by the way, is wrestling terminology from for acting. Making it look real. For acting. Selling means to, to act. If you're selling something, you're acting. You're trying to make somebody believe it. Really, they use terms for that car artists use. They're selling something to you. You're a mark. Because wrestling started as a carnival thing. You have a face, which is also a term sometimes used in cons. If you're running more than one man con, your face is the guy who's approachable and meant to make everyone like them. I don't think they call their bad guy a heel, but face, mark, and selling in that connotation, all con artists. Terms. These are also carny terms. I know. Wrestling started as a carnival thing. Well, actually, it started as an actual legitimate blood sport, and then people started to rig it. Yeah, wrestling because actually people were started... placing bets, and people were like, well, if we rig this, we can make more money because these bets. And then people caught on, so then it turned into more of an act slash entertainment show, and then it turned into big blown acting as yeah. we see it now. Wrestling originally started as like a variant of bare-knuckle no- bare boxing with betting. In the mid to late 1800s, modern-day wrestling, that's where it started. And it was more popular in the West. The further West you got, it got more popular mm. because it could be more real with less regulations with less regulations the further west you were because it's the 1800s and then people started realizing hey if we like script events we can rig bets and make more money and we can also make people like more likely to bet on somebody like making this somebody like an undefeated champion for weeks on end or, and like, then fucking ruin it we'll take a bigger haul or like have a new guy come in who like is incredibly impressive and like people really like him so they're gonna bet on him because he's got a like je ne sais quoi or yeah. like a personality that people so like so you start to build up these big personalities and these characters and this story basically so then you got yeah eventually you got wrestling <laughs> but, but yeah. so he has bobby up on the turnbuckle to come at him with a he's like elbow drop hit me with an elbow drop i'll show you how to sell and um well apocalypse is like you sure you sure you should yeah. do this and rooster's just like it's fine so bobby gets up there does his elbow drop and just full-on hits rooster and rooster's like fuck that like that hurt rooster rolls up on his shoulders mm-hmm. like and like bobby's like oh you saw that pretty well and rooster's like no you fucking hit me that actually hurt it, bobby's like well, what do i do wrong and then Crystal, who's been watching this entire time from up from the second floor in the in the balcony, is like, "You're supposed to land on your hip. You put all your weight in your elbow, and basically drape your arm across the guy. Mm-hmm. But you landed literally on your elbow. Literally, Rooster's lucky not to have a cracked sternum. Yeah, like if you have a a guy the size of Bobby Pin, legitimately jump and fall after his jump, probably like nine feet, and land elbow first into your sternum, you're probably gonna break a bone." Yeah. Wrestling isn't real, but the simplest mistakes... It's literally stunt acting. Stunt workers for big movies get hurt when shit fucks up. Wrestlers get hurt when shit fucks up because they are doing hard movements and things that are hard on your body. For instance, if, if you if you want to see something like this, go look up Brock Lesnar's moonsault. <laughs> Botch. It's why he doesn't do dives anymore. Brock Lesnar yep. does not go off the top rope because he botched a moonsault so badly... He broke his fucking neck. Mm-hmm. And I'm not joking when I say he broke his neck. He literally broke his neck. Yeah. But anyways, so Rooster's just questioning how the fuck Bobby got in. Mm-hmm. Wondering how, what type of fucking shit he just sold to Jack to get him to take him in. And then Jack walks in and that is just like, hey. And then Jack kind of just walks on back to his office. And then we cut to someone holding a phone watching a promotion for Florida Wrestling Dystopia. Oh, it's Willie holding the phone. She's yeah, that's good. Now we don't see Willie. She's phone. in the back somewhere in the mm-hmm. DWL dome. And she's watching a promotion for Florida Wrestling Dystopia. And uh, the showrunner for this is the guy who played the principal in Wayne, which if you still haven't watched Wayne, why not? 
It's a great show. Go watch Wayne. So good. Mm-hmm. Big wows. But yeah, he's promoting the Florida Wrestling Dystopia, which uses footage from TNA. If you're a wrestling fan, you'll recognize some people here. Abbas. I don't think RVD is in this footage, but Rob Van Dam is in footage. Yeah, with, in a, the, with in a, the, a wire bat later. Yeah. And I mean, you don't need to be a TNA fan to know who Rob Van Dam is. Rob Van Dam is a fucking legend, no matter what wrestling yeah. brand you watch. Did you watch ECW in the 90s? You know Rob Van Dam. Did you watch WWE in the mid-2000s? You know who Rob Van Dam is. Did, Did you, watch- you used to get confused about who Rob Van Dam and John claude Van Dam were? It's fine. They're basically the same person. They're not One's the just same. better. They're not the same person. I don't know if either of them are better. I, I, I think they, they're both like... I mean, John claude Van Dam had some decent movies. Rob Van Dam was... Had an, no decent movies. Was I an, win this round. was an icon. He was amazing. But I say was, but I think yeah. the dude, I think the dude's still alive. So she gets a bit angry and she kind of just storms to Jack's office or is going to. But she sees Jack looking at like their wall of champions or DWL. We should also mention here that before wrestling dystopia is running a promotion where uh, if you yeah. swear to never go to the DWL dome again, you'll get high, you'll get half price tickets because the South is F E F W D S. Yeah. Um. It's Charlie Gullies. It should be noted that FWD promotes less story and storytelling and character More building. More hardcore matches, tax, blood, blood baseball wrapped, bar- wrapped with barbed wire. Yeah, so Florida Wrestling Dystopia cares less about like the story of wrestling and more about the car crash bloodiness of wrestling. Like. Yeah. So she finds Jack looking at this wall of champs, and like the first thing she says is, it always kind of bothered your dad that you didn't use his finisher. And Jack's response is, I always thought tapping out looked fake, which you know, is kind of a Chekhov's gun here. Mm. Did you not realize that? I quit. You can do the podcast by yourself. <laughs> so Jack thinks that tapping out looks fake. In his defense, tapping out 90% of the time does look fake. Although, to be fair, if you're ever in a real fight, tapping out is more likely ha- like a thing that will get you away. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, tap out moves are the way to go in an actual fight. It's much harder to beat a guy until he can't sit up, which is what pinning is, mm-hmm. than it is to put a dude in, a, in an arm bar or bend a dude's finger until he, like... Has to until he cowers and cries because he's in so much pain and he doesn't want a broken bone. Yeah, because especially in America, because no one wants a broken bone in America. Because not only will you be in physical pain, you will be destitute for the rest of your fucking life because of our medical care. Yeah, but Willie does end up talking to Jack about the FWD promo, and Jack's like, "Who gives a shit? He doesn't know what wrestling is. He's just putting on car crashes, and people are stopping and staring." Willie's like, "But people stop and watch car crashes. Like, yeah, and then they fucking move on." Yeah, then they get bored, move on. We're telling stories here, Willie. We're making something. And he's like, what's the FWD has that we don't? She's like, money. (laughs) That plastic warm money, which they don't really expand upon here, but in episode two, they do talk about it. Charlie Gully was apparently like a fisherman supply, like bait and tackle god in Florida, apparently. And then he took that money here and from that business and started FWD. Indeed, he did. So then... We cut to Big Jim and Ace outside of wrestling. They're just hanging out because they're hanging out in Cooper's grocery store. So here's my, here's my question. And I assume based on episode two mm-hmm. that Big Jim and Ace are actually legit friends. Well, we get that in this episode on the fucking water tower. Yeah. Like, Jim is legitimate friends with Ace. So Ace wasn't like selling when he ran out to the ring from the previous DWL show and was like, you were just talking shit about my friend. You think I'm going to let you stand up here and do that? Yeah. Because him and Big Jim are actually really good friends. Which, after this scene, I have to be like, why is Big Jim friends with Ace? It feels more like they were friends in high school, and he's kind of, like, exasperatedly still friends with Ace. Like, 
because I, like this guy's a fucking piece of work but someone has to put up with him and i can i guess and if i'm around i can keep him a bit more in check it feels like that type of friendship where it's like you're my friend but only because i don't think anyone else could stand to be your friend which i've had friends like before where i'm just like you are my friend by circumstance I only put up with your shit because it's easier for me to do so than other people. And there is a slight payoff. So, yeah, they're in this like supermarket gas station. Ace is complaining about how he's not champ yet and how he's only making 50 bucks a show. But when he becomes champ, he's going to make uh, he's going to demand 100 from uh, Jack every every show. And Jim's like, so you're definitely getting the win then? He's like, I don't know. Jack hasn't finished the script yet. And Jim's like, well, if you're fed up with this, why don't you go back to Winn-Dixie? And Aces replies, I don't want to go back to Winn-Dixie. That's why I fucking quit that place to come here and do this. Mm-hmm. So then they get to the cash register and, and Ace has been a bitch this entire time. Just whining and whining. And Jim's and, just like, and like not, not just whining and whining. Like he grabs something off a shelf and like pushes it in, in Jim's hands. It's like, like, I'll pay you back for this later. It's supposed to make my eyes pop. In the- yeah. So they get to the register. Jim checks out and the cashier te- is yeah. being really nice. And she's just like, hey, Jim, good look at the match. I'm really looking forward to it. Hope you have a good show out there. And Jim's like, yeah, thanks. You know, she's just a really nice person here. It's a nice brief interaction you have with someone when you kind of know them and you see them at their job. Like you don't want to get in their way of their job and you're doing something. But it's a nice casual conversation. Ace says nothing to her. And then Ace starts walking, walking away out. and she's like, hey, put that gun back, Ace. Every time you come in here, you steal something. The only reason I haven't called the police yet is because your dad was good to my family. And Ace kind of like hesitates to put the gun back, but he ends up walking over and slamming it on the counter, slamming it, not like mm-hmm. just putting it back. He's angry and grouchy like a whiny little bitch like he is. And then, no offense then he gets to anyone her, Then he gets in her face. And no, he, no, he, he doesn't get in her face right away. He, he storms around, still angry and goes to sleep, and she says, Tom would be disappointed in you. Yes, and then he gets in her face and he's like, let me tell you, let me tell you a story about Tom. You know that time you came over with your family? When we were just kids. And we had casserole. And you just ate bowl after bowl after bowl. I couldn't look away. Well, you were just eating the entire eating. time. You were talking about this dog you found. Just talking and talking. You would not shut up. But about a week later, our mom was talking to yours, and she said your mama mentioned the dog got hit by a car, yeah. ran over by a car. And you know what old Tom said? Probably for the best, that Cooper girl would have ate it. Yep. So keep in mind, Ace is supposed to be a face in a local small town of Duffy. It is a match day, and they. Work like so in the modern day world. I can't really talk about 2021 wrestling, but in 2017, when I still watched wrestling, kayfabe matters during the show, right? Yeah, but and because it's 2018, 2017, 2021, it doesn't matter so much after the show. Because here's the thing, and this is this is an important note: social media is so prevalent, it's impossible to keep kayfabe. Yeah. So, like, Braun Strowman might have been the monster in WWE tipping trucks and, like... But he was this nice, humorous guy. Hung out with Avenged Sevenfold backstage because he really liked Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah. And they really liked wrestling. Like, even though he was supposed to be this monster hill, which is a term that means a hill a hill that, like, doesn't have a human personality. They're just... He's just big and scary and punches things. Yeah. Even though he's supposed to be this monster hill with, like, no humanizing characters, outside of Monday Night Raw and pay-per-views, he was, a really, he was a really cool dude that people, like, wanted to hang out with. Yeah. Mind you, though, this isn't even a failure of kayfabe in a small town. Because this shit would have blown back in his face no matter where he was, what level he was, because you can't be a fucking shit like that, that big of a piece of shit to someone, and not have that fucking repercussions, especially if you're in any fucking form of entertainment. 
Yeah. So my point here, though, is in a small town where everybody knows everybody, keeping the kayfabe going outside of the ring is kind of more important. And it's much easier to do, theoretically, unless you're a fucking piece of shit like Ace. Like, Undertaker in the 90s and early 2000s kept the kayfabe as hard as possible. Yeah, he did. Like, he didn't travel with other people. Unless he was on the bus with the guys or, like, on a plane with the guys, he was Undertaker because if he was in public, he had to be Undertaker. He had to Mm -hmm. be this monster hill. And, like, he never had the violent persona of, like, being angry at fans but fans would approach him back in the 90s and he just kind of or like Chris Jericho tells stories about how he used to be a hill Mm -hmm. and like fans would come up to get autographs while he was a hill and like he would just smack the paper out of their hands he wouldn't he wouldn't hit them he wouldn't hit them he wouldn't insult them he would just smack the paper out of his hand and say he doesn't fucking have time for them yeah because the, the point is he's a bad guy yeah he's supposed to be the villain you're not supposed to want his autograph Mm-hmm. but so he does that she starts crying and then just to add insult to injury he takes the fucking gum and leaves oh i didn't see that he slaps his hand down and takes the gum as well and leaves jesus not only does he insult her he also then steals from the store still how is jim friends with this dude because jim is legitimately a good human being mm-hmm. anyways i don't think jim sees him take the gum at that point but it's still like what the fuck man so jim he... does we should be should mention though jim tries to cut him off and stop him from going mm-hmm. on this like tirade and leaving helen cooper this 20 mid-20s woman literally in tears at her job like this dude is a her family dick. at her family ran store too which has to feel like somewhat of a safe space right like her family's been running that for years yep so we then cut to jack in his office he's working on the script he seems a bit frustrated at the script but you know he has been this entire time so far and he gets a call from mr cooper and you just see his face like immediately dark and he's angry as fuck and that's kind of the end of that scene yep then we cut to the locker room and apocalypse one of the big names of dwl a former champion even yep is giving a speech to, to the locker room mainly to bobby pin and he's like as a wrestler it's your job to go out there and make the crowd love you and failing to do that you have to make them love to hate you yeah and like when he says make them love to hate you the entire like locker room chimes in because tom spade used to run this business was a hill like yeah and one of the important things to realize as a hill is your job isn't to have people like genuinely hate you people need to hate your character they need to want to hate you you know how everyone has that show and there's just that one bad guy they just love to hate because in like a good show it's only as good joffrey game mm-hmm. of thrones everyone loves to hate joffrey he's a piece of shit no one likes him but they love to fucking hate him yeah that's the prime example like loving to hate someone is a thing you can if do if you've watched kogias lose the rebellion the entire purpose of a hill is zero yeah everybody has to has to love how much they hate you mm-hmm. they have like because the idea you're an entertainer still like you don't want people to actually like have negative feelings when you win a match but you want them to be upset and talk about it because like mm-hmm. it is a story and they're gonna be upset and uh from there they get to talking about some stuff like one of the guys diego is talking kind of just about how he's always been a hill and you but know, his he, first but he's supposed to be a hill because he's like nobody in george is gonna like a cuban okay yeah yeah he's always been a hill and then he's like and then one day king spade came up to me he's like hand me this mask and he says you're a luchador now a mexican luchador he's like and now they love to hate me and the best part is they hate me even more because i'm here illegally and i remind them all the time and his wrestling name is diego cottonmouth yep so then crystal outside the locker room asks willie about getting a locker because mm-hmm. she's been here for like two months and well she doesn't explain why she asks willie if there's a locker room she needs and then willie says you've been here two months you should know the locker rooms are for the wrestling yep which is uh, just a little sex but whatever yeah she then tells she doesn't really say anything uh all oh, the guys she, come out she, yeah she steps into the locker room she tells the locker room as a whole that hey jack is here he's got the script ready for you guys yeah we're doing a rundown on the script and then we see all them leaving wheeling along 
finger on Crystal and she kind of seems sad, turns around and walks away. Yep. So, quick rundown of the script. The script has Rooster winning over Bobby Penn. And Bobby has some ideas, though, about this. And Willie says, no, you don't. He's like, yeah, I do. Not no, no, you don't. When it comes to the script, Jack's... Jack's then be all, basically. And then there's going to be a battle royale, which Rooster and Bobby are coming back out for. And Jim is going to win this. Though. Yeah. He, him and Apocalypse are going to be the last two men standing. And just when it looks like Apocalypse is going to win, Jim is going to get a chant going and put Apocalypse over the yeah. top row. Every time we see all the other wrestlers, it's normally just like a fun interaction where they're just shooting the shit with each other. Like here, running down the ending of this match, he's like, okay, Apocalypse, you're going to take Diego and throw him over the top. And Apocalypse is like, looks over at Diego, who is a larger guy. And Diego's like, I've been cutting back for you. So you can get me over that rope. Now, this is the conversation between Big Jim and Apocalypse because Big Jim. No, because yeah. Diego's one says, when told to lose 21 pounds, he's like, no one laughs. Yeah, because Jim doesn't pick him up and those, he just knocks him over with the uh, clothesline. It is Diego that makes the joke about losing weight and cutting back. Okay. I, I think you're wrong, but it's whatever. But yeah, it's it's jokes. It's really just jokes and shooting the shade about having fun with the match, man. And then he says, and the show's going to end with Ace losing by pinfall. Yeah, and at like up until like halfway through that rundown, Ace wasn't even fucking here. Yeah, Ace got Ace and Big Jim both got there late. No, Jim's not here late. Jim shows up late in the two for a rundown. He's on the side of the ring in his outfit. Jim is. Ace comes in late with Crystal. Oh yeah, sorry, I yeah. knew he came in late with somebody. My bad. So Ace gets pissed. He's sitting in the stands. He's all pissed by himself. Yeah. After Jack outlines the show, Willie then like starts doing the managing job. She's like, "Okay, guys, here's the more detailed scripts for you mm-hmm. with your match spots. And remember, you have autographs an hour before the show. Everybody has to be there." Yep. And then we cut outside. Jack is walking to his car and Ace is yelling. He's pissed. What if I just don't wrestle? I may as, I may as well not wrestle. Cool. Put, I'll put Big Jim back in. Yeah. And everybody, like, lo- everybody loves the freak from the creek. No big deal. This is how we're doing. I've got the FWD breathing down my neck. I've got to subvert the expectations of the crowd. And then Ace is like, they're, they're coming to the show to see me win. Yeah. They're arguing and Ace is like, they're coming to see me win. And Jack says, where do we go from there though? If you win, where do we, where does the story go? Yeah. We have to subvert their expectations. If they see their hero lose to the villain tonight, then they get to watch their hero fight back up from the bottom back to the top that's something and then that's Ace is kind of just like fuck angles it doesn't fucking matter i want to win yeah fuck angles they're coming to see me win i should win they're coming to see me win and then jack says they trust me to tell them a story better than what they have to live with every day and then ace replies to jack, jack it's just grown men in costumes pretending to hit each other it's supposed to be fun not at the expense of being good and like this conversation this dialogue writing is so good mm-hmm. because wrestling is supposed to be right like but that's the purpose of entertainment it's not just wrestling shows are supposed to be fun but that's why most shows are scripted nothing to improv actors but most scripted shows are better than most amateur improv shows yeah like which is what this wrestling league would be so if a show isn't good it doesn't matter if it's fun shows can be good but not fun i've had fun at really shitty concerts that i would never go to see that band again but that was strictly just because i had good friends with me so i had a fun time show was shit though yeah like i'm not talking about tv shows specifically there but like i'm talking about like something that can be fun yeah not good and that doesn't mean you don't want to do it again. But things can also be good without being fun. And yeah. I think that's the really important part here. Being good is more important than being fun. Agreed. Because if people like your thing, it doesn't matter how much fun they had with it. Like, I'm trying to get a good, like, a good, a good I mean, like, example. Any good drama is good. I don't really know how much a good, like, actual drama is about being fun, though. Because it's not written to be fun. It's meant to be a compelling story that kind of tugs on heartstrings, plays into these tropes. It's meant to be a compelling story, but that story isn't fun. Yeah. Like, you can watch a sad fucking movie, and it was 
was a good movie. It was definitely not a fun. Yeah. And like, but you'll watch the fucking movie. And I know people have watched The Notebook so many fucking times. I wouldn't say The Notebook's fun. No, The Notebook's not fun. It's pretty good though. The movie's good. I haven't finished the book. But it can be good and not fun. But good is better than. I still have four chapters left. Action movies, they can be fun. Most of them aren't too good in mind. We had this argument once. I know. Like, it was a really in-depth argument about does being fun make something good? And honestly, we came to the conclusion like we we agreed that no, something isn't good just because it's fun, but something isn't fun just because it's good. Basically, our argument boiled down to this conversation. Yeah. Just because Mission Impossible is fun doesn't, doesn't make, mean it's good. Just because Fast and the Furious Nine is definitely fun not good does not mean it's a good movie. God. Yeah. But just so ju- <laughs> just just because the Green Knight is good doesn't mean it's fun. <laughs> God, I know we talked about this in depth in depth last time. My phone won't stop suggesting articles of people being like, this is what you missed with the Green Knight. This is why it's so good. And I'm like, I saw an actual fucking review where someone was just talking about how so much of it related to like things in the book. I'm just like, you have not fucking read the story. Go fuck yourself. Because they were talking about like the fucking fever dream ending being related to the short story. I'm just like, no, 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 no. You definitely haven't fucking read this. Like you can give me some bullshit about the exchange of gifts and all that. That, or even his ride there and all that. But when we hit that fever dream, you cannot tell me at any points related to the fucking story. <sighs> Anyways, though. Yeah, so at the end of this conversation with Jack and Ace, Jack turns to Ace and goes, Mr. Cooper called me today, by the way. He wanted to know why Helen went home crying. And Ace is like, is that what this is about? That's why I'm losing? And Jack said, it was a show day. Because the point here is that this episode is entitled Kayfabe. I don't know if we said the episode. I don't think so. Episode one is entitled Kayfabe. You're an hour into this episode. Sorry. But this is Ace thoroughly destroying the Kayfabe of him being a good person yeah which is ironic because right the end here, of this, at the end of this argument jack tells ace that he needs people to think he's a good guy people need to believe you're a good guy and he's like they do i am he's not he's definitely not we didn't mention but the start of the supermarket scene opens with ace being like so i was fucking this girl last night and he's like i think it's about time to get a new valet and jim's like what about crystal and it's like it's a fucking it's just a bullshit job but it doesn't matter anyways and jim's like i think it matters to her and ace doesn't care yeah. if it matters to somebody else so after that little conversation between those two ace uh, storms back into the locker room and he's just fucking still yelling about jack's booking and jim's there putting shit away and ace blows up on jim because jim doesn't immediately like kowtow to his son he's like yeah that's bullshit like, oh so now you're against me too he's like i got nothing and walks i didn't away. say anything yeah. yeah so then because this is a star show in their midnight time slot mm-hmm. crystal shows up to tell him how much how great ace is and how she's always wanted to be a valet for him since she saw him playing football and cried so it made her feel emotions for him going back to what i said though because this is a star show ace and crystal fuck this scene doesn't have mm. a lot going on it builds crystal's character a little bit uh but not in a way <laughs> yeah so yeah they fuck and then they get interrupted briefly because diego's still in the locker room taking a shit so he comes out of the locker room just like i'm not looking i'm not looking let Tell me know when, when i can, can finish, finish my, my shit. shit yeah and then they continue to fuck yep then jack is out by himself he's bought some gopro cameras just on a bridge above some train tracks filming it that's the scene it's a really nice like cinematographic scene though like it looked pretty and i feel like it was probably just a scene they shot on days where they were just getting there driving shots in with the oh. drones and like, like we found this nice wooden bridge you want to shoot sure so like he, you get the shot with the gopros but then he's driving back to the dome mm-hmm. and he stops at a stop sign these two kids on bikes look at him and he like slowly turns to face them and then mean mugs them and they run off because it's oh jack my spade, god run. it's jack spade yeah he turns back to face the phone he kind of just smiles and nods to himself like, I know. so like there's a podcast we've never talked about it before in this podcast called talk is jericho talk is jericho yeah so talk is jericho is chris jericho's podcast chris jericho as you might know is a professional
professional wrestler, WWE champion, world heavyweight champion, the first unified world heavyweight champion for the WWE because he he's won. done a lot of wrestling. Team. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, this is one of the things he talked about being a hill in like some of his episodes. Like being a hill, like you can people people are scared of you, people hate you, like, but there's still like a joy to play in that character. You still get to experience the emotion that you give other people. He's like a face. They they get they all the time. They get a signed autographs and like people are like, oh my god, I love you. And nowadays, same goes for hills. People love hills, but in the 90s and early 2000s, not so much the case. But this is a great example of like a hill getting to enjoy being a hill and not in a way that's like overtly violent or something outside the ring. Like it's just Jack being scary because of the character he's made because of the kayfabe. Kayfabe. So then from there, Jack shows up the dump and there's some barbecue set up and there's out. a lot of talking and he asks Willie what's going on and Willie's just like, we've got to get. Yep. So he goes into the locker room and there's a guy named Wild Bill there. Wild Bill, if you'll remember, was on a sign earlier. He used to be the hill to Tom Spade's fate. Yeah. And apparently Wild Bill got recruited by the WWE proxy stand-in. They never say WWE because WWE loves to sue shit. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So he's just kind of bullshitting with the guys in the back. When Jack shows up, he takes Jack back to the office because he wants to talk. Yep. Uh, Apparently Wild Bill is here because developmental saw, well, because the WWE proxy company that isn't WWE saw the YouTube video of Jack from the previous week. Jack versus Ace and they want to scout Ace. Yep. And um, Jack just doesn't think Ace is ready for that. And Bill disagrees with him and apparently so do the suits at developmental they want ace yeah jack basically tells him to fuck off though yeah and and bill's whole like response to jack is i know you think i could have done more and jack is like well you could have at least done fucking something to help us out here yeah which fair is fair mm-hmm. and but while bill basically laughs at him for being in the minor leagues there's some good dialogue here while bill is acting pompous and shit he's like yeah i may have left duffy but i came back in a learjet but like he's being a pompous dick bag and jack jack's like none of that fucking matters and bill's like i think it'll matter to ace well no he yeah no jack's like none of that fucking matters and he has this great line he says just because you got more don't mean we got any less yeah and the, the, the script writer god damn i mean so really it just comes down to bill telling jack well i think ace is gonna like what i have to offer and in that entire time as well bill is just barraging jack's like plan because jack's like i plan on building the dwl up you think you're gonna be something? something your dad made a cathedral to a hobby you're nothing but community theater that takes itself too seriously yeah and eventually essentially jack tells him you don't get to fucking come here and patronize us get the fuck out mm-hmm. and bill's just like you should be proud to have one of your guys make it to the big league jack it's all you're good for the best you can hope for and jack's tells the fuck off and get out of the office yep and bill's just like you're just like your dad and jack's like what i fucking tell you so bill then leaves and in town we, we, we get people putting dwl flags on their trucks and kind of driving parade like through town honking we, at people yeah we, and... we see people literally closing up shop getting in their trucks or cars with dwl flags it's like a little parade convoy over to the dome for the show yep then we come back to the dome and we're at the ring and ace is trying to convince jack to change the booking for the night because he's he's trying to like book himself to be more impressive because he's got scouts from yeah wwe WWE proxy that isn't wwe he and bill met up in the parking lot real quick and kind of just told ace that suits were interested and ace excited so he's just like we gotta book this indie better to make me look great so honestly this booking is actually fantastic it's not a bad booking it's actually a great booking like so the booking that ace is pitching here is 
he would go for the he would hit the super kick like like it's currently in the script he'd hit the super kick jack would go down but instead of pinning him ace wouldn't do it because he doesn't want the match to end yet he he wants yeah so he'd sit and kind of just play to the crowd and then when jack got back up jack would know he's beat but he would get hit by another super kick go down and ace would go to pin him and jack would kind of wave him off wave him off and like he'd get up on his knees and go to like and shake ace's hand yeah like, they get back up they'd smile at each other because they're brothers shake hands and then as they're shaking hands ace would hit him with a super kick pin him one two three win the championship which so the next episode and assumingly the majority of the season is six episodes of the season has a lot to do with because of the end of this episode which we'll get to has a lot to do with ace not wanting to be booed not wanting to be seen as a hill he wants to be the good guy. but what he just booked was a hill ending is a hill turn mm-hmm. there's no way that you cheap shot your own brother after a handshake, a handshake and a smile there's no way you cheap shot him without becoming the bad guy yeah also it should be mentioned that halfway through pitching this booking to jack ace forgets what he's saying and crystal continues on because it's crystal's booking yeah not aces in fact literally uh when ace asks him what he thinks of his booking jack says yours i thought it was crystal yeah that's later but um it's like right there well, i it, mean here he says crystal she- says it's good and jack asks who she is yeah and uh then he asks jim what he thinks jim says it feels like an in jack's like yeah it does and ace also agrees and he's like well ace is like well yeah because uh if bill likes it i'm leaving i'm out of here so here's the thing ace is a moron mm-hmm. you can't book ace to win the championship and a championship match if he's leaving after the show yeah you can't everybody knows the rule you can't let the champion walk out with the belt nope does not happen cm punk tried it once it was hilarious i mean tried it with kayfabe but it was hilarious and there's a really great promo my favorite one of my favorite promos of all time yes my yes. second favorite promo of all time my favorite promo sorry i know i'm diverging but you know my favorite promo i know i fucking numb it's the rick steiner math one. i know maybe not rick steiner no it's steiner's math yeah steiner steiner's math god it's so good uh. so jack just tells him that the end's gonna stay as is a storms off angry like always and then crystal follows behind him and then jim shortly and it's willie and jack talking willie's just like jake is assuring willie that it's fine even if ace goes i'm still here jim's still here we'll be fine it's and he's like good. yeah i'll repeat that like you mean it yeah outside though a bunch of people are already at the venue tailgating drinking having a good time waiting for the show signing well waiting for the autograph signing to start and then the show to start yeah we see booth and stuff table set up people come get signings merch all set out they have a really good merch selection for a local wrestling i think that's a thing now in 2021 i don't think it's a thing at our local wrestling venue because i haven't been there but yeah. i think it's just but, i know i'm saying they have quite a lot like they have a good selection in 2021 or even merch like just so easy to make mm-hmm. yeah well it's like before aew before like anything like that ever took off young bucks was some of the first wrestling merch to end up in like hot topic and stores yeah because they were just making their own shit but i digress so we cut to crystal and ace out back behind the dome and ace is just still bitching about how he's losing the match and crystal's crystal. like you know we should go out to celebrate tonight ace is like celebrate what I'm, me losing the belt yeah. like me, me losing the championship match and she's like no celebrating you getting scouted are you really that more on it and then wild bill yep and he's like ace hop in and ace goes where are we going bill goes away from here yeah which i think is supposed to be like not just a literal way, way from away from here but like a metaphorical away from here yeah probably they don't actually go away from there they just pull around to the other side of the building yeah it seems also more like a we don't need her around type of situation yeah so they pull around and while bill pops some oxys and hands the bottle to ace it's and ace like, just like i can't take these they'll fuck me up and those like that's exactly why you're gonna take them. they fuck you up and then while bill starts going on a diatribe about how what he wants in the ring tonight, what well, ace wants in the ring tonight doesn't matter first off he asks um ace who crystal is and ace is like she's just a valley and bill's like that's good we can find you someone better definitely tall yeah and then while and bill starts going on like, a yeah, sure. diatribe he's like doesn't matter what jack wants on the script tonight what matters is your ability to adapt i want to see you do something for. good out there i need to adapt flex 
possible. And then while Bill goes off on like a religious sermon about Jacob and Esau and how the younger yeah, brother always well, has to fight. He, he to goes get... off on that because Asa's just like, well, all that doesn't, that's not up to me. But Jack, he's on the script and Bill's just like, I don't give a shit about the script. You fucking hate your brother, don't you? Yeah. You know, it's always faded that way. The younger Pain, brother always has Abel. to fight. The younger brother always has to fight for what he's what he's owed anyways. Mm-hmm. He, and he's he turns like, into a whole bad lash. You need to teach Jack a lesson. And Asa's like, well, I could not show up to autographs. And Bill's like, yeah, I guess that's one way. But you know what me and Tom did back in the day when someone was stepping out of line to be shown what they needed to do? We make sure a few hits landed for real. This is called shooting in wrestling. When somebody it's heavily frowned upon. When somebody hits somebody for real on purpose. That's called a shoot. A shoot is anything that's real that should be fake. Yep. So like if somebody cuts a promo and starts bringing in shit that's not part of the story, that's a shoot. That's a shoot. Someone gets punched in the face when they weren't actually supposed to get punched in the face. That's, that's a, a shoot. shoot. Nia Jax wrestles somebody. That's a shoot. <laughs> I mean, I feel like any of your MMA or have very little training coming to wrestling. All their matches are shoots for the most part. Nia Jax isn't an MMA wrestler. I know, but I was referring to when they have MMA. I think they briefly have. See, my Nia Jax comment's a joke because I don't even keep up with wrestling nowadays and I still know that every time Nia Jax has like, it's not every time, but like multiple times a year Nia Jax has a wrestling match and actually hurts somebody because she's so bad. Or anytime she had a head fight. How is she still signed to WWE? Jesus Christ. They have to have someone that makes Shane McMahon look like an actual wrestler. McMahon is an actor. I know, but I was mainly just referring to when he got started and really fuck shit. He got a lot of intentional shoots from people. Like, they straight up admitted Shane McMahon has gotten a lot of intentional shoots really fucking shitty, but insisted on wrestling. Yeah. Nia Jax is supposed to be an actual wrestler, though. Yeah. They only keep her. I don't I don't want to say this because it sounds sexist, but they only keep her because she's really, really big for a woman. Yeah. And I don't mean, like, popular. I mean, physically big. Yeah. Physically imposing women are rare in wrestling because... That's not what Vince McMahon like. Yeah, it's it's not what people in charge of wrestling think Thinks their audience... So, yeah. yeah, so... So, this Bill and Ace end scene ends with Bill suggesting that, you know, he actually hits Jack for real, and, you know, he loves it. Yep, he also gives him a board, a two-by-four. Which apparently used to be a king spade prop. Yeah, like a thing that they used in, in their fights and mm-hmm. stuff. So then we see Jack, and he's climbing up a water tower to go talk to Big Jim. Yeah, he's trying to rebook the ending to the Jack and Ace match, now that he knows Ace. Mm-hmm. And so, using the framework of... Flair the, versus Sting. And their championship match, where Sting won and became champion for the first time. He's using this framework of that match, where Sting broke kayfabe to be like, Flair is, is the one of the greatest wrestlers of this generation. Yeah, re- one of the greatest wrestlers in Dolby. Yeah, because effectively in that, Sting is saying he couldn't go over nearly as well a unless face, Flair was the hill that he was. You keep, the, A face can only be as popular as the hill that, that they're mm-hmm. up against. And Jim catches on really fucking quick. He's like, you want me to turn hill? Yeah, but he, he doesn't just want Jim to turn hill. He wants to do a double turn. What he wants is Ace is about to win the match. And Jim, who's jealous of the opportunity his friend Ace has gotten, comes rushing out to the ring. And just lays the beat down on it. Downs the ref so the ref can't DQ anybody. Lays the beat down on Ace. Pulls Jack over on top of Ace. Stands the ref back up. Points the ref to the pinfall. And they get a 1-2-3 count. Jack wins because Big Jim turns heel. But like... Jack is upset though because Ace has legitimately beat the shit out of which is why he wouldn't be coming back. And And, you know, he's upset because he he, he won the match but that's his little brother. So he gets up and like he goes to attack Jim because he's trying to defend his brother. So it's a double turn. It turns Big Jim into a heel. It turns Jack Spade into a face. And it lets Ace walk out of the company. No strings. Yeah. But Jim has a bit of a problem. Yeah. Jim's wife wants him to quit. Mm-hmm. He says retire, but... And also, though, Jim doesn't like being... He doesn't like being booed. Yeah, I don't want people to boo me. I, and then Jack... You, Jack's you just to, like, I don't know what's up with you kids nowadays. I like playing a good man. Walking around town pretending to be a better man helps me actually be a better man. Which, honestly, I can actually get on board with that and I can understand that. Like, not a bad reasoning, but 
even at the end of this, Jim's like, but you know, my wife, she wants me to quit. The baby's on the way soon. And she gets, she's really scared of this entire thing. And you know, if I quit, I can pick up some more shifts at work, maybe even be a manager one day. But you know, Jack, if you still need me to turn health into the night, I'll, I can do that. For, I don't mind. Yeah. He's like, I need, I need to pick up more shifts. The baby's on its way. My wife thinks it's dangerous, which but, I mean, okay. So it is, wrestling is dangerous. I don't want to like undersell wrestling yeah. being dangerous. People break the, break bones, break necks, tear bones. But it's not as dangerous oh, as people, some people think Fall to their death because McMahon can't afford actual rigging because he's no, a cheap no, skate he bastard. No, he can. He just doesn't want. That, talking about Owen Hart there. Yeah. But like, shit happens and people get hurt. But that's true no matter where you work. Although, Justice and I had this conversation while we were watching the episode again. I don't know how wrestlers can have 30-year careers and still like walk. Just because the blows they do take because, yeah, you're not hitting with that elbow, but you are landing all of your weight on your hip repeatedly or whatever, depending on what your moves are. You're putting a lot of stress on certain parts of your body repeatedly, repeatedly. Every suplex you do is you dropping your body weight onto your back. On your lower or back, your tailbone, yeah, or your Every chest. time you drop a leg drop, that's that's your tailbone eating that shot. Tailbone and thigh, baby. Every yeah. time you elbow drop, that's your hip and thigh. Mm-hmm. Every time you choke slam, that's your arm. like And your back being trained. Like, that's an easy way to slip a disc. Every time you do a moonsault, a whisper in the wind, a front flip. That's but, your forearms and legs, lower legs taken. Yeah, like, and you're, it's just repeated high-impact injuries. And, like, even though it's not, like, enough to hurt you when you do it once, re- repetitive injuries of the same variety. Yeah destroy the human body that's why a lot of broken bones from wrestlers don't come all at once they actually build up stress fractures or they are all at once because it's like somebody messed up somebody a, fucked up yeah somebody but. messed up a dt somebody messed up most. Art, somebody messed up a but cutter anyways though jack eventually just tells jim nah nah if you're retiring after this you don't you don't need to be a hill you can go out of phase you can do that that'll be fine you don't need to turn hill for me this night on that yeah if this, and, if this is not you're going out you, you, you gotta go out stay in a face yeah. like and jim's like okay but can we not tell ace i don't want to get all, all up in his head and mess him up you know how ace gets i, I want this to be a good knife yep so we then cut to jack back in his office and ace after blowing off autographs comes to confront jack and uh you know ace wants to win he thinks his indian's good and this is where jack asks well, like, oh it's your indian i thought it was chris yeah that, and they also like during this moment ace is like look dad started this whole thing you're the champion now i just want my picture to be on that wall of champions with you and dad why can't i get that why don't i deserve that and jack's just like if you want that you gotta stay here and ace is like if i get big i'll come back and help out and jack's no you well, won't ace is only Ace's first thing is like, who who's going to pass up an opportunity like this? Or Why aren't you happy for me? If I get big, I'll come back. Yeah, and Jack's like, I'd pass up. Also, you're not coming back. Not until I have to bring your body back here to bury you. Mm-hmm. And then Ace goes, look, I'm just trying to figure out who's for me and who's against me right now. And don't tell me you're against me. And this is the best turnaround as fair play I've ever fucking yeah, seen. Yeah, and Jack's just like, well, what about everything I'm trying to build here? Trying to rebuild this up. I need to know who's for me or against me. And if you're leaving, are you for me then? And Ace is like, like, that's it's not, not about fair. That. It's not the same thing. And you know what? He's wrong. It is the same thing. Yeah. Like I, like, I would not blame somebody for taking their opportunity to like leave. But I could also just be like, yeah, that's still fucking shit for me. You have to understand. This does suck for me. It hurts everything we're doing here. You leaving. Like mm-hmm. as good as it is for you, it's terrible for us. And then he complains because, well, Dad left you all this. Where do I fit in? You're the one in control of everything. But Ace doesn't have the right to be upset about that if he has no stake in the family business. Mm-hmm. Because as Jack points out, Jack's the one here doing all the work. You've been everything up and running and ace doesn't fucking do shit ace and tries if, to says it's because he's a control freak but like the amount of like 
like work Willie's allowed to do and like Willie does do mm-hmm. like speaks volumes against what he's saying like yeah Jack might have like a control freak for the script and the story but it's because he's the one that knows how to fucking do that he's put years in doing that. and, and Ace's writing is never the way Ace talks about it it's not that well this is a better booking it's just well I don't lose in this booking well, so I that think, makes it better I think the big thing is Ace doesn't like understand long term booking he doesn't no he, he like this is cool right and like yeah this is cool right is a way to write WWE sure has done it a few times yeah but it, it doesn't give you the story impact of a long term show yeah but basically this argument ends with another great exchange and it's honestly this part of this one conversation could be a 30 minute discussion on its own mm-hmm. it's so it, it was it was 90% of my selling point to get Justice to watch this show originally so it's kind of points we're talking about where all the fans are to do signs he's like they're cheering for me and Jack goes no they're cheering for a character I wrote I created yeah I created and then Ace kind of just shoves him and heads off to do his sign no Ace goes and says I am that I am that character yeah and then they get into a little bit more of an argument and then Ace shoves Jack and storms off to go do his autograph like he goes off to do a sign and we see him out there Crystal goes to approach him he ignores her she walks off sad but like the whole dichotomy of is the creator or the actor the one responsible for a character is such like a discussion worthy topic like who really should get credit for creator writer i feel like an actor can definitely lend a lot to it but arguably okay. if what you like is the character okay but would i like no caffrey as much if matt bomer didn't play him maybe not but i think he would still like no caffrey i also don't think you would like matt bomer nearly as much if he hadn't played no caffrey that's a true fact like like if you'd only ever seen matt bomer in like uh magic mind a few other roles like, i've never seen i just know he's in that could be anything else okay but yeah like no that's a really good like there like, is an argument that, that, that do the, i think a lot of people like rdj as much as they do if he wasn't tony stark no would i still like him yes because i think he's done great work in things like one my favorite rdj movie is it, none the of the marvels it's the oh, judge God, the judge is it. fucking fantastic go watch, watch the, judge. the judge but i think rdj is a good actor so i do like him i liked him before marvel but i would still like their tony stark as written if someone else played him it, and played him as well yes like i think the actor does matter to a character right like obviously they add a depth but i think the majority of what you like there is what's written obviously jack sparrow wouldn't be as iconic if it wasn't yeah johnny depp but on the flip side of it johnny depp didn't make jack sparrow no i mean he gave him a lot of the little quirks and stuff that people fell in love with but the writers did a lot of that work mm-hmm. they did a lot of the heavy lifting that made Actors, jack sparrow a, a good actor so saying we both have in a the good books, actor elevates the character well what i was gonna say is say we have a good actor and a good writer mm-hmm. neither marjorie they're both at a good equal level the writer has made a good character you will enjoy that character what that actor does there is he makes it he elevates the character because he makes that character feel lived in he makes that character feel like a person i think the best exa- adding the small takes i think things. the best example of this. ryan reynolds is a good actor right yeah was was green lantern a good character oh did, god did, no. did you enjoy that role god yeah the writer makes the character the actor can elevate it and like give it a depth that the writer didn't have for it but the writer makes it. and i think that's true except for bit parts that become major parts of television yeah definitely like gibby the actor made gibby mm-hmm. in iCarly if you didn't know what i was talking about i mean yeah. i know you did but the audience but yeah so that's our opinion on that so then we cut back to the other guys in the locker room again they're just kind of fucking around talking shit and we see crystal trying to do her eye makeup at ace's locker, locker. and willie walks up and willie's just like what the fuck are you doing locker i told room. you locker rooms for wrestlers yep they get into a little bit of spat here because crystal's like i can wrestle and then willie goes i belong here 
you don't get that through your head. Take that as the compliment it is. Mm-hmm. So Ace then goes outside. Snorts some oxies. And Jack turns back to Willie, who's now upstairs in his office. Well, first he snorts the oxies. Bill shows up and hands him the two by four mm-hmm. and says, long live the king. Yeah. And Jack then turns, then back in Jack's office, Jack turns and asks Willie, what would you do if you didn't stage manage for DWL? She says, tournament fishing. Tournament basketball. Yeah. And then she I asks, love how fast her answer is, yeah. though. He's like, a lot of people be like, what would you do if you weren't doing this? People have to stop and think. Yeah. She's just like, tournament bass fish. And then she asks Jack if he wants to talk to guys. So they head off down there. But and Bill um, has already beat him to it. Yeah. And his, Bill's speech is from an era. Yeah. It's talking about- it's go out there, tear shoot up, make them love it, then get fucking done as quick as possible so we can go out and drink. Yeah. It's from an era. And he sees Jack. He's like, oh, Jack, do you want to add anything? And you can tell Jack's fucking annoyed and pissed, but he's just like, nah, turns around and walks. Yeah, because this isn't Wild Bill's job. Wild Bill's job was never to do the locker room speech shit. No. Wild Bill, as a fucking scout, what he should be doing there is talking to Ace, not in the back room, unless he's been invited back there. Other than that, fucking out in the stands, watching the fucking matches, that's your job. So, we then get a montage of the night's matches set to anyone who knows what love is by Irma Thomas. Fucking soul queen of New Orleans, baby. It, she was The song is great. beautiful. Jazz and blues and fucking perfect. And it doesn't feel like it should go with this montage. Like, but I would have never, like, thought. And this isn't just a, a writer choice at this point, but, like, whoever thought to set this montage to anyone who knows what love is, fucking genius. Because this does not look like a thing that should go together. But it does. And you know, Especially with the warm, mellow lights, the yellow lighting that they used for their ring lights. So here's the thing. I say that, but as a wrestling fan, I can sit here and be like, this makes so much sense from a backstage perspective. Yeah. Because, like, none of these guys are getting paid. Like, they're making 50 bucks, maybe. But, like, they're not doing this because they're getting money. They're doing this because they want, like, they love the, the show. Yeah. Because as much as as much of a dick as Bill was being, this is a hobby, a passion hobby. This is a cathedral yep. built towards a passion. And these guys who are doing it are doing it because they, they love it, not because yeah. they're trying to make in, a living. In this montage, we see a bunch of people wrestling. We see Crystal doing her eye makeup. He ace doing his ma- eye makeup in the locker room. And then we kind of, in that montage, when we see Stacy walk into the back eight well, stage area. Well, before that, we get a cut of Jack, like, putting the belt on. Yeah. And, like, getting all of his gear ready. And then Stacy walks up. And, yeah, Stacy comes backstage to both wish him good, good luck, like, and then she's also like, also, also how are those GoPros? Because our phones share alerts whenever we spend money. You, remember, I told you that. Remember that app? I installed it on your phone. God. So, yeah, basically this, this boils down to the same discussion as the fog machines. Hey, I get you're just trying to invest in the wrestling, but like... Fucking tell me about it, man. We, we talk need to, to, we need to talk you... about expenses. Yeah. Like, can't just go doing what we want. But that's basically into that. We see Jim win his Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. He has some dope-ass fucking music. Yep. And then Stacy kind of notices that Jack is off. Like, yeah. And she, she goes... That's your cue, right? What's the finish? And his reply is, finish doesn't matter. It isn't real. Yep. Which, if you're the writer for the show, that's such a, a disillusioned take to have. But Jesus Christ. Anyways, Jack and Ace... We uh, see Crystal ask Ace before he heads out and get ready to the stage area, the pre-stage. And she asks Ace if he's taking her with her, and he doesn't even acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Gorilla, which is a term that we haven't hit yet, but Gorilla position is right outside of, like, the stage ramp where audience can see you. It's where people get ready to enter the ring. Yeah. It's where... It's Eric- where you most of the time can see the ring, or the ramp area that's going on. Yep, it's called Gorilla. Um, not like the monkey, but like the warfare. Yeah. So Ace and Jack are standing next to each other and Ace says, fuck the belt. He's so, gonna leave. It doesn't matter. Jack, I've already won. Yeah. Like, I and don't need to win the match. Jack like, can stay here in Duffy in the wrestling league until he kills himself like their dad. And then they get into a physical altercation. Oh, yeah. I, I Jack, just say like turns, Jack just like turns around. It's hard. To, it looks like his hands are wrapped around his collarbone more than his throat. A little bit, yeah. And they're pushing on each other. And then Jim just comes stumbling. Uh, like, Apocalypse breaks him up. Oh, yeah. Apocalypse breaks them up real quick, and then Jim runs back. He's just happy, kind of afterglow of the match. Crowd responded to him really great. He had a great last night there. Wraps them both up in a hug. He's just like, I love you guys. Yep. So Jack goes out to the ring. He also has some great music. And then Ace enters, and 
Ace pops. He has the plank of wood from Tom Spade mm-hmm. and Wild Bill. Crowd are loving it. Yep. Before the match has even started, though, the music's cut, but the match hasn't really started. Ace is still showing in the crowd. Jack runs up behind him, hits him with a German suplex, grabs his arm, and puts him into an, an arm-wrenching armbar, knee in the middle of the back, and he's legitimately twerking it. It's not mm-hmm. like a rest hold, which is what a re- which is what a submission usually is. Rest hold being where you're not actually wrestling, you're using it to like get your breath between moves yeah. and pretend to wrench it. But he's yeah. actually wrenching here, applying pressure, and that's just like you're actually hurting him, Jack. You need to back. You're off. gonna break his arm, right? and Jack's like, I know. Call the match. You're gonna have to he's call. Gonna it. Have to tap out, and Ace eventually taps. The ref calls the match, and Jack gets up and grabs the belt, and that's the match over. It's like over in Ace is literally screaming in pain. It's like over in like 15 seconds, maybe. Mm-hmm. And like is... at this point, the audience is booing Jack. Like no, no, no. At this point, the audience dead fuck silent. But yeah, and, and then... then they start to boo. But there's like a good 10 seconds of just audience silence. Well, yeah, because like this does subvert expectations. This is like the fucking no cell swerve. Like, mm-hmm. and then they start to boo Jack. Ace gets up to his feet. They're still booing Jack, and then Ace just cold cocks Jack right in the face, knocks him over the rope, and then the crowd starts to boo Ace because you can't do that and maintain and be a face. Honestly, I didn't realize this the first two times I watched this episode, but this moment, Wild Bill said he was looking for one thing: adaptability, the, abil- which, the ability to adapt and tell your story in the ring, regardless of what else happens. Which Ace does not have here. Yeah, because Jack gave Ace a swerve ball, and like Jack wasn't trying to give Ace a swerve ball. He wasn't trying to set set Ace up to do anything. But Ace had an opportunity here. Mm-hmm. He could have grabbed a mic, cut a promo, challenged Jack to an, an immediate could have rematch. Done a number of many, many things. Also, I'd like to point out, this is the Chekhov gun I mentioned earlier, where Jack said to Willie when talking about his dad's finisher that he didn't think tap outs look real. Yep. And then that's what he used to beat brother. Yep. So with the audience booing him and throwing shit at him, drinks and popcorn, popcorn. and shit, Ace drops to his knees and literally cries in the ring. Mm-hmm. And our episode ends with Jack turning around and walking towards back. You want to take your final take on episode one? Yeah. So personally, as a person that's not really a big wrestling fan, I used mm-hmm. to be, but not so much anymore. I do still know all the terms. I know all of it. Babe. I'm fucking down with this show. It does a really good job of representing the individuals outside of the ring and in the back where they're, it, there's legitimate camaraderie and they're all friends and they're having a good time. Opposed to kayfabe and how they're handling in the ring work, definitely more dramatized with what's going on in their personal lives. But it strikes a really good balance between in the ring and out of the ring character work. And both for the actual characters they present and then the character they play show as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm definitely down to watch more. It has a good feel for what it's trying to do. Okay, so I will admit I watched this show specifically because of two reasons. One, Stephen Amell. I love both him and his cousin Robbie. They're great actors and I enjoy most of everything I've seen them in. But also because it was wrestling. Stephen Amell is an actual wrestler. He's wrestled in AEW, done multiple shows with them. Yep. And he's legitimately like a trained wrestler. He's just as good in the ring as he is as an actor. Maybe not quite true. He's competent in the ring. He's a great actor. And like a show featuring a guy who actually knows wrestling and like enjoys wrestling playing a lead role as a wrestler i was sold on the concept alone but oh. the show the way the show handles everything and the conflicts between like creator and character and like how do you book a show in such a way to like get fans coming back all this shit is just like i don't know it's it's everything i want out of a show about rest so good yeah I so hope... would you watch episode two because i know i would i would watch episode two three four five and six okay um which is the entire first season yeah so episode two so episode two dusty finish uh yeah we're not we're not gonna episode, do that, that that will be on september 3rd uh because uh, if you didn't notice josh really likes wrestling and this is already an hour and 40 minutes of raw cut before we start editing so it's gonna be a pretty big chunk episode two for this part two will be up the very next day we'll be up 3rd. on september 3rd so you'll get two episodes this week yay probably two and a half hours of me talking about wrestling and about three four hours of me editing hating life um three i'm talking about ed- 
editing worth of audio not trying to put in that's gonna be more so before we sign off for this episode and set you up for episode two i did want to say we got another review on itunes five stars like i said we will read those out yeah this is from henry cunningham it's been a bit we freaking check them sometimes and but he, thank you henry cunningham says great energy i'll take that compliment i've been listening to the co-pilots for a while now they have amazing energy and are super funny check them out so you should follow henry's advice and check us out which if you're hearing this you already follow his advice so good on you but how can they check us out where can they find us well you can find us and links to all of our other stuff at our website copilotsreview.simplecast.com which has a link for our email which, which is, is copilotsreview at gmail.com it also has a link to our twitter which is at copilotsreview and a link to our discord which again discord links are kind of wacky so the discord has a bunch of spots where you can just hang jump out, in talk, talk about stuff talk about whatever and we also have a link to our youtube which is kind of not caught up because some of us get annoyed at drawing thumbnails I, I told you you didn't have to do custom thumbnails for every episode man yeah i'm probably just gonna upload them all and then go back to thumbnails that seems like a good idea yeah. anyways thank you for flying with us episode two will be up tomorrow sorry for this this episode just r- ran insanely late partially because i'm a huge wrestling fan but also i think because this show is very good and has a lot of like good moments to talk about yeah so we apologize for the temporary layover here but you will be reaching your destination tomorrow thank you for flying with us please fly again soon